Welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an upload. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Enjoy this week's show and don't forget to share it with all your friends. Hey, I'm Russell Leeds. Hey, I'm Ricky Mandel. And welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. On this week's show, how you can buy 10 houses for just 50 thousand pound. Now that sounds like a ridiculous impossible claim. I mean if you're buying 10 houses for 50 grand that's working out at what? 5000 pound a house? 5 grand a house. I mean that sounds impossible, right? <laughs> you thought I wouldn't know the answer then. I'm good at maths I am. I know I'm you quick are. At maths. I, know, I know quick maths, quick maths. You've got to be to be a property you've investor. You've got it. Well yeah, yes, but you as long as you've got a calculator. You you're all good. Well, it's like being a darts player. Have you ever when they, they play darts? Like, and they know... I've often wondered this. Yeah. When I was watching the darts a few months ago, whenever it was, near Christmas, they're so quick. They are. It's like, uh, uh, that... But I guess it's them doing it over and over but again, they're isn't not, it? But they're not quick at all maths. They're quick at that math. It's the same yeah, it's stuff. the same thing right? over same and over again. Same patterns over and over again. Same with property, working out the ROI. Lots of property investors I know, like yourself, to be fair, you're not particularly good at normal maths, but because you do that again wow. and again... That was a... Bit low, wasn't it? Well, uh, come on, man. I'm not good at maths. Hit me with a question. Go on. All right. A hundred divided by twenty. I mean, that's just embarrassing. Twenty. Hundred divided by twenty. No, was that your answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, darts players. They just know it because they do it over and over. It's the yeah. same formulas. And in the same way with property... I was trying to give you an easy one that you'd get right <laughs> to prove me wrong. hundred divided by twenty. So you have 100, and then you right. divide that by 20. Yeah, you, yeah, that's the, that's the question. Yeah, what's that's the answer? That's 2, 4, 6, 8, 5. Yes. See? There you go. I'm good at maths. Mate. Let me give you one. 64 times 85. I wouldn't be able to work that out in my head. I'd need a pen and paper. I could work it out a pen and paper. Do you know what? Fair play. You admitted that you're not good at maths. I didn't admit that. <laughs> so I'm not, my mental arithmetic, you throw two digits in, I'm out, I'm out of there. <laughs> I'm out of there. Oh. Anyway. Um, Back, back to the, um, people don't care about maths. What they care about is how they can buy 10 houses for 50 grand, right? How, how the maths get there, they're not bothered. So here's the thing. The way, you can actually do more than 10. You could do 20 houses or 100 houses. You could do as many houses as you want. This, this strategy works again and again. All you have to be able to do is buy one house for 50 grand using the buy, refurbish, refinance strategy. Because what that will allow you to do is it will allow you to pull the 50 grand back out and then buy another one. So although we say 10... Technically, this could, this could go on for as many as you want. And also, technically, if you want to get technical here... Go on. <clears throat> technically, you don't, even, you don't even need to... If you've got 50 grand, you don't even need to buy a house for 50 grand. The house could be... It could be any amount, really. I mean, up to a certain point. But it could be 200 grand. It could be 100 grand. Because yeah. you could just use the 50 as a deposit. You could leverage using, um, you know, raising finance and bridge loans. So you don't, just because you've got 50 doesn't mean you have to buy a house for 50. It could be more than that. Oh, it undoubtedly would be more than that. But I, I would say, in order for this strategy to work properly, you probably need a pot of cash of about 50 grand. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Um, you, well, if you want to get technical, I would agree that you, you would need some money, but I wouldn't agree that it has to be your money. A fair. So the wording of, you would need a pot of 50 grand, I agree with. Whether that's your pot or not, doesn't matter. Yeah, but if you, if you had, say, 30 grand, you're going to struggle to do the buy refurbishment strategy, right? 
If you don't know how to raise finance and, and stuff like that, yes. Yes, yeah. Whether it's your money or not, you need about 50 grand. Yeah. Starting yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Could be that someone else's money, you could raise it, could yep. be your money, but you need yep. a pot of about 50 grand. You have to have some skin in the game. Yeah. So, do you want to explain then how the buy, refurbish, your finance strategy works? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of my, my favourites. Um, so, buy, refurbish, refinance, how it works is you will buy a property and ideally, the ones that we go for are rundown properties, problematic pro- pro- problem properties, we call them. Properties that need work doing to them, but they've got a problem. And then you're going to refurb it, whether that be a cosmetic refurb, it might be that it needs new kitchen, new bathroom. Sometimes um, it doesn't even, it, the problem's not even visible. You know, it could be the, the structure of it. I know structure is visible, um, but... It could have rot underneath the floorboards, and that's not visible, but that could need fixing. It could be a non-visible thing like a short lease. There's a problem with the property, which is why it's often below market value. So you're going to buy it, and then when we say refurb, you're going to refurb it or fix the problem that needs fixing. Once that problem's been fixed, um, or you've refurbed it, then it's going to be worth its true market value. And then what you're going to do is you're going to refinance the property. And refinancing simply means putting a new mortgage or a new loan on the property. And when you get the new loan, you'll get the loan, which means you'll get the money back that you put in. So therefore, you put the money in, you buy it, you fix the problem, you've refinanced it and got your money back. And then the final part is you rent it out for cash flow, which means if you do it correctly with the right formulas, um, you'll be able to buy a house, refurb it refinance it, pull the money back and rent it out and basically have a free house. Yeah. Uh, I'll give an example of, of one that I've done very similar to this. Well, yeah, very similar to this. A, a strategy for buy, refurbish, finance. So I actually didn't find this deal myself. I got approached by an investor and they said they'd, they'd found a house. It was like an old Victorian big house, three-story. And interestingly, the way they were, it was a bit of a wreck, but the way they were renting it out was they were renting it out floor by floor. So although it was one house... A bit like a HMO, but it kind of had like a makeshift kitchen, and they'd kind of done it out as three flats, but it wasn't three flats, it was one house. Yeah. That, that making sense? Well, the reason, is, it, is the reason it wasn't three flats because it only had one, one kitchen, was it? Uh, no, it, it sort of had makeshift kitchenettes, I suppose, but it just officially wasn't three flats. So it's a big house, and they're renting out floor by floor. Correct, yeah. And it was for sale for, this was a few years ago now, it was for sale for £120,000, right? Um, so what we did was we thought, okay, well, it's kind of three flats anyway. Why can't we actually convert it into three flats? How much would the flats be? You know, how much is a flat going for in that area? And we saw that in nice condition, a flat was going for 80 grand. Right, so now we've got the 120 grand house that's kind of being rented out as three flats anyway. If we officially title split it and refurb it as three flats, it will now be worth 80 grand for the bottom flat, 80 grand for the middle flat, 80 grand for the top flat. Which is- 240 yeah. grand, right? So it's got a 120 grand property that with a refurb will be worth 240. So this was the deal that this investor bought for me. And he said, look, I, what I want to do, I've got half the money, but I can't afford to put it all in. I'm going to do all the work myself. I'm, I'm a, um, he's not a builder, but he's, he's handy. He's, I'm going to do all the work myself, which means that I, c- I can convert it all. We only need with the bridging finance that we were going to use, which was going to pay for the refurb and a portion of the house. We only need 60 grand. I put 30 in. If you lend me the other 30, put the other 30 in, well, I'll do all the work. I found it. I'll do it up and we'll split the profits 50-50. So I was like, wow, that's a great deal for me. Yeah. Uh, and it got even better, actually, because I didn't even use my 30 grand. <laughs> right? I borrowed 30 grand off another investor and gave them a 10% fixed return. Oh, wow. Right? It's pretty clever, actually, because that deal, it's like 
there's a there's an opportunity that most people would just pass because most people would probably think the average person that saw that would probably think it's already being rented out floor by floor. What what could I do with it other than buy it and rent it out? But knowing the strategy and knowing about title splitting, it's quite it's it's, it's clever, but it's simple. It's really simple because it's it? all, the work's basically already been done, hasn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's a great way of adding value to a property. I mean, they've also recently, they've announced, and we'll see when this comes in, should be coming in this year, but they're gonna, you're going to be able to split a house into flats, two flats, not three, but into two flats under permitted development. Yeah. So that means you don't even need planning permission. So if you find, like, I think the houses that will work perfect for this are the, the, you know, the terraced houses where you walk in, you've got the stairs straight up, and then you turn left... So you're in the hallway, stairs straight up, turn left, and actually downstairs. Yeah. Because then you don't even need to reconfigure the house, right? It's just you put an extra door where the stairs are. So when you walk into the hallway, the door there goes upstairs. That's the upstairs flat. The door on the left goes left, and that's the downstairs flat. Yeah. Um, you won't even need planning permission to do that, which is just crazy, right? So would you say this is the way to snowball yourself to wealth? Uh, buy, refurbish your finance. Yeah. I 100% think it's the way to snowball yourself to wealth. Yeah, because although we say 10 houses is 50 grand, that is totally true. You've got 50 grand pot, you can do this strategy. It's not going to be immediate. This will take time, like you mentioned about snowballing, because you put your money in, now you've got to do the works. So yeah. Then you've got to refinance it. You're probably looking each project, oh, I don't know, what would you say? Minimum... Minimum six months. Six months to a, a standard project. This one I'm ta- I just talked about now, the whole thing took about a year. Yeah. I think if it's a, a standard project, usually you're looking between six months and a year. Obviously, Part of the reason it was slow was because he did the work himself. Right. If you, if you, but if, it's not necessarily a bad thing because you, you save costs then. If you do you save costs, but you also pay more in interest. Yeah, because you, you know, the longer you're borrowing money for, it the was more such interest. a good deal that we had. There was enough left over; it didn't matter. I, I mean, I pulled the money out and a profit share, paid off my investor, and was left with one and a half flats. Yeah, which is just crazy. so. From a visual point of view, for people that are completely brand new to property and trying to get their head around this strategy, from a, a visual point of view, if you imagine you, if I've got this pot of money and I buy a house here, here's the house. After a year, potentially, I could pull the money back out of the house, but I've still got the house that's being rented out. I've got my money back, and now I'm going to put the money into another one. After a year, pull it out, keep the house, do it again, and that's how you're going to build a portfolio of 10 houses with that same 50 grand. Yeah, so I would say 10 houses should take you probably between 5 and 10 years. Yeah. So it's not, like I said, it's not going to be overnight. All you need is the money to start with. Now, you could borrow that from an investor, give them a fixed return. The problem with that is you will have to... What's nice about this strategy is you're using the same money again and again and again, right? So if you're borrowing it from an investor every time, you basically, you're giving them a cut of the deal every time. Whereas if it's your own money, you put the money in, you pull it out, you do it again, you do it again. Uh, but what a lot of people do is they buy their own home. When the house goes up in value, they because re- houses go up anyway, right? You don't have to add value. You could do the same strategy um, without, yeah, without the refurb. Yeah, if you waited 10 years. Yeah, it would take a lot longer. It would take a lot longer, yeah. yeah? But, you could, but that, this, that's often the way people do their first one. Yeah. So the first one, they'll buy their own property, for example... They'll wait for it to go up in value, then they'll refinance it. Now, what most people do when they refinance it is they spend that money. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, my wife's cousin, and he used to keep refinancing his house to pay off his debts. Right? And then he was relying on it to go up to pay off his lifestyle. If you can control your lifestyle when your house goes up in value, because we were looking at this on another show, 
average house in the UK, you hear this banded around, but the average house goes up in value, doubles every 10 years. And we actually went all the way back to 1930, when house prices on average, I think were, from memory, about £400. And okay, okay, from 1930, if it did double every 10 years, that means in 1940, it would be £800. And we worked it all out. And they've actually more than doubled yeah. over the last 100 years. So although it doesn't double every 10, on average it does, right? So you can be pretty safe. If you buy a house, it's going to go up in value. You can then refinance that. If you've got equity in your house, you can then pull that 30, 40, 50 grand out. Then you can use that to do the strategy. And that's how, yeah, that that is how you build wealth. And the other thing is, once you've got all these properties, just once you've pulled it out, you pulled your money out, you're now getting a rental income from it. You're now getting normal capital appreciation from it because it's still going to go up in value, right? Yeah, yeah. And we will, Samuel um, often throws people actually. I remember at the, we, obviously we, we run um, the Property Investors Crash Course. And at the Property Investors Crash Course, we, we really dive into this strategy. And Samuel often throws people because Samuel says he makes a predict. Oh, I don't want to ruin it because I know some of you guys will probably hopefully book on at some point. Um, but he makes a uh, prediction. And it's just so funny because he, he makes a prediction. He says, this year, house prices are going to go up by 25%. And everyone's like, 25%. And obviously there's a caveat. And the caveat is, not all house prices, Samuel's houses are going to go up by 25%. And the reason being is because rather than waiting for the value to go up, he'll buy them, and yourself buy them below, and myself as well, we buy them below market value, force them up by 25% over this year, and then pull out the money. Um, I, I, I think when you look at the Sunday Times Rich List, all most successful wealthy people, this is what they're doing. Yeah. They're not necessarily buying properties and then just renting them out, getting a bit... No, no, no. Because you want to get paid multiple ways. If you buy a house and rent it out, you're getting paid, I guess, a couple of ways. You're getting paid from the rent and the appreciation. If you do this strategy, you're getting paid from the rent. You're getting paid from the appreciation, but quicker. But also, you've got equity straight away if you buy it below market value. Yeah. So how do you work out a good deal or a bad deal? Well... The, the, the analogy that we're giving here, where you're buying 10 for 50 grand, that is kind of the perfect scenario. So the example that I gave, I, I did pull out all my money and some, paid off the investor. It was like the perfect deal, right? Not all deals are going to be the perfect deal. No. So sometimes when you refinance it, it won't value up exactly as you wanted. You might, let's say you started with 50, it might be that you only pull out, I don't know, 40. But or... this is why we say you want to base it off of pulling out your own money. Because if you base a deal off of pulling out all of the money... Even if something goes wrong, and you know you have a, you have a, almost got, you've almost got a contingency then, where if you don't pull it all out, it's not it's not it's not the end of the world because you're only leaving a little bit of money. But yeah. it's where people base their deals off of leaving some money in that there isn't really a contingency there. There isn't a buffer where if it does get downvalued or if the reverb overruns, then you may as well if you're gonna leave, if you're gonna leave in twenty five percent, you may as well just buy a house and rent it out. Well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we aim to pull out the money doesn't happen all the time. No. And this is where you don't want to be over-leveraged. No. Leverage is brilliant, but if you're over-leveraged, if you have... Let's say you got a bridging... Let's say you had 100% bridging, which you wouldn't get, but let's say you did. 100% bridging, and you had to pay it off, and if you weren't, you're paying, like, you know, 2% a month or yeah. 1% a month or something. You need... It would have to work. And you, I don't think with, with biofurbish rights, you can rely on pulling all your money out. Because you're kind of at the mercy of the valuer. 
right? Yeah. You know, and sometimes we've had to have our properties valued multiple times. The first value will come, oh, that doesn't, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. You've got to get another value in, yeah. right? So sometimes you've got to get it valued multiple times. In fact, with the one I was talking about, the first person that valued it, damn, they said, oh, well, it's basically a HMO. We're like, it isn't a HMO, it's three flats. Um, and they were like, mm, and they damn valued it. They didn't give it the 80 grand. And we were like, okay, well, that's no good. We had, to, we had to get a few valuations. That's something to bear in mind, that you, that you might not get the valuation you want. I think the two, the two areas that people mess up the most, number one is they overestimate the end value. Yeah. They overestimate what the property is going to be worth. And number two, they underestimate how much the works are going to cost. You, you can't be um, a pessimist. You've got, you, you can't be an optimist. No, you can't. Yeah, this is the one time. I'm an optimist naturally, <laughs> yeah. right? This is the one time you actually want to be a pessimist. Do you reckon? Oh. Hold on, let me throw this in there. Though. Go on. But you don't, you don't want to. You don't want to be too much of a pessimist because then you won't ever do any deals because you will be. You always be like, oh, that's not going to be a good deal. But you don't want to be an optimist because you don't want to overrig the numbers and 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 mess it up. I think what you want to be is a realist. I would rather. No, sorry, a professional. What a realist is. Is, is, is correct. I would rather be a realist that erred on the side of caution. Yeah. So I'd rather be a realist. What do I actually think it's going to be worth? But if anything, I'll play it down. So, for example, I know some people that say things like, um, oh, well, it's going to take me a year to do. Now, on average, house prices go up every year. So when they work out their end value, they work it out the end value now, and then they add on 10%. But I know people that do this and don't even work out the end value or the refund. They just buy a house that's a wreck and expect to make money from it without actually doing the numbers. And sometimes they will. Sometimes they will. Yeah. But sometimes they won't and they lose a lot of money. I was chatting to a guy the other day who did just that, right? He's, 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 uh, lives in Beaconsfield, he's well off, but he's try, sort of de- trying his hand at, um, yeah. at property development. And uh, he got his builders in. He was like, look, he's, he's, he said, right, builders, he brought them in together. He's like, I want to finish this quick. He's like, how much are you going to get done this week? And they said, we're going to get this, this, this. He goes, right. If you get all that done this week, I'll pay for an extra day's work. And um, they were like, oh, okay. Sure enough, end of the week, got it all done. He's thinking, happy days. I've, uh, I'm going to do this trick the rest of the way through. And we'll keep it under, under budget, right? We'll keep it so yeah, to, yeah. To, to the correct time. Monday comes, he turns up on site, no one's there. Ringing them on, no answer, right? Can't get hold of them. Tuesday morning, they all rock up. He's like, where the, where the hell were you? Excuse me, I had to you know, turn it down. <laughs> when, we, when we upload the podcast, it says, are there any explicit? And I always say no. And then I think, oh, maybe there was, <laughs> I don't know. But no, there's not. Um, he said, like, where the hell were you? They were like, oh, well, you gave us an extra day's pay. We didn't need to come in on Monday. Oh. <laughs> It's just like, so you are at the mercy of the builders, for example, right? And, and how they get, you've got to be good at managing a team. Oh, well, I, I would also have contracts in place. Well, yeah. You've you got to have airtight contracts. There are a lot of things where if you don't do this correctly, there are a lot of areas that you could get stung in. Um, but also there's things that you can put in place that um, are a win-win for both sides as well. Like that incentive, I think incentivizing builders to do the job well, but in a fair time, and incentivising them for that is a good thing. Yeah, well, he, he did it again the next week, but the agreement was they got paid the extra day at the end. Yeah. So he put it aside, put a little bonus part aside for them. Yeah. That goes in the bonus part. Every time you can put it on work, bonus part, then that all got paid at the end. He said that then worked. Yeah. But giving it them up front because they're just labourers. They're like, oh, it's an extra days. I don't need the money. They literally are working from. I can't relate to that. I would think, grab, I've got extra money. I can put that in savings, but they're just working from paycheck yeah, to paycheck. Yeah. So, 
how do you know if a good deal is a, a good deal or a bad deal? What's the, if you had to give an overview of a formula for people to use, what would the formula be? The, the formula would be very, very simple, right? You, you, and I mentioned, kind of briefly mentioned it a minute ago. You need to be good at valuing properties. You need to be able to work out how much the end value of the property will be. You, how do you do that? You look at comparables. You see what other things have sold for, not selling for, sold for in the area. So you need to, you need to nail that. That's and sold thing. for because sold for is facts. Yeah. Some people are paid that much. It's not the asking price, yeah. it's what I actually sold for, yeah. So that's the first thing you need to do. Second thing you need to be able to do is you need to be able to quote the refurb, right? So it's really important you can quote how much the refurb... Because if you think, oh, it probably costs 30 grand, yeah. and it costs 50, there's, there's your profit gone, <laughs> right? Yeah, and a lot of people ask me, how do you work out what a refurb is going to be? It's, 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 it's tricky. It's tricky. It's, it's a bit of experience. So yeah. It's a bit of doing it again and again. And it's also re- relying on builders. Yeah. Right? You, having a good team. And also knowing where to in. get things from. You know, where are the best places to get the best kitchens for the best price? You know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't always, by the way, I wouldn't always go as cheap as possible. Because I've always believed if you, if you go cheap, you pay twice. Especially if you're planning on keeping the house. Yeah. You want quality. Yeah, because then you'll end up paying... Probably double in repairs and five years years time. If you're going to keep it as a rental, if you're selling it, it's a bit, it's a little bit different. (laughs) If you're selling it, it's like right, (laughs) cheapest thing, put it in there. It depends on the property, though, right? (laughs) So if you if you if you were doing a property in 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 Chelsea in London, you're going to have to go top top end, right? Because no one's going to buy a property in Chelsea or even live in a property in Chelsea. It's done to a low standard. We're doing a development at the moment, 48 apartments in Wolverhampton, right? We've got to go low end because. They're only going to be worth 120 grand, yeah, 30 yeah. grand. We can't put a 20 grand kitchen yeah. in. Just... And what you can't do as well, you can't buy with your emotions. Because if you buy houses to do this strategy, what you don't want to do is get caught in the loop of, ah, oh, that kitchen's nice. We, well, I'd love to have that kitchen. Let's put that in there. You can't do that. You have, to, you have to do it with formulas, not feelings. Formulas come first. So you need to know the end value. You need to know the refurb cost. So how do you work out what so you can offer as a purchase what, price? What are you paying for it? Right. You need to, so, yeah, so, so they're, they're the three figures, what you're paying for it, right? So you work, first thing you do is you work out the end value. Right. Why is that the first thing? Because that's what, that's, that's, you have to work backwards. That's the end. You work backwards, so you start with the end, and then you work all the way down to finally, the last thing you work out is how much you're going to offer. Right, because if you do the offer first, you could end up over-offering without actually doing the number crunching. Yeah. So the last thing is the end value. What's the end value? Let's say, for example, in my case, it was 240 grand. Yeah. Right, for those three flats. 240 grand, that is my end value. Next thing you need to work out is how much profit you want to make. Now, we, want, we normally aim, like you mentioned earlier, at 25%. Why 25%? Because that means that you can leave all your money in. Yeah, so 25% when you refinance it, normally they'll lend you 75%. So if you make a 25% profit margin at that point, so let's do it 240 times 25. Half it. Oh, it's gonna be half. Now, here we go 240, half 240 is 120. Half that again, 60. 60. There you go. So That's 240 it. minus 60. Yeah, so, so 240, then our profit, 60. So now 180 is left. So when we go to refinance, we'll get 180. We'll get 180. Right. So now we need to pay for the property and pay for the So we refurb. can't buy it for 180. No. Because we've got the refurb. Yes. This is where a lot of people go wrong. A lot of people would be like, I'll get 75%. That leaves me with 180. I'll buy it for 180. But you've got to factor in the refurb. Right. So what's the refurb? In our case, the refurb is about 50 grand. Right. 50 grand refurb. Right. So what can I buy it for? The most that you can buy it for now is 50 minus the one, 
50 miles to 180. No, you mean 180 minus 50. 180 minus 50, which is 130. 130. He bought it for 120. But you've obviously got some legals and yeah. stuff like that on top. So it's about, about perfect yeah. in our case. Yeah. So you have to work backwards. Work out the end value first. Work out what the refurb is going to... 75% of the end value minus the refurb, that will leave you with the most you could offer. So when you put your offers in... Let's say the most you could offer on it, on, when you do the number crunching, you've worked out your 75% loan to value, you've worked out the refurb cost. Let's say you're left with 100 grand. That's what you could offer. Would you offer 100 grand straight off the bat? Or would you? It, it depends on what, it depends on my negotiation strategy. It depends on what the property was worth. Let's say the property was worth 140, right? And I'm offering 100. I'm not going to go in at 80, right? Because it's kind of, take, kind yeah, of yeah. taking the mix. So I, I, I might go, I might just go in and say, look, I'm an investor, absolutely, I'm, I'm not going to mess around with negotiation here. This is the most I can afford to pay, take it or leave it. I guess it depends on how long it's been on the market as well. It's, it's so many factors. So many different factors to what and how to make your offer. Yeah. Um, I know we spend a lot of time you know, going through how to put offers forward, the different factors that we just spoke about, like time on the market. Also, another thing is, we're talking about buy refurbish finance here, but another thing is, when you're doing the due diligence about looking at how long it's been on the market and stuff like that, Sometimes you can even reach into other strategies that may be more fitting. So linking it with, for example, lease option agreements. Yep. If it's been on the market a long time and they're in negative equity and it's on for sale, but it's also on for rent, perfect. You could do a lease option agreement, link that with buy refurbish refinance. See what loads of people are doing right now. Go on. Loads of people are getting the, like we got the valuation up in that way by three flats. Right, loads of people are turning them into HMOs, large HMOs, getting a commercial valuation on the HMO. The commercial valuation, in many cases, is a lot more than the bricks and mortar valuation. So immediately, even even if the house was in good condition, just turning it into a HMO and getting a commercial valuation boosts the end value, yeah. which means you can pull more money out. And I'm assuming that's in non-article four areas as well. That's in yeah, obviously non-article four. So areas. that means that when article four comes the value will also go up even more because now there's a restriction in place that takes away your permitted development. Uh, to give you a talk of negotiation, how you negotiate. So we, we, uh, it's very similar. Development projects very similar to Barry Furbishy Finance, just on a bigger scale. Right? Yeah. So we would do the commercial, pro- in fact, the one I just mentioned earlier, the 48 apartments in Wolverhampton. When we negotiated on that, uh, that was up for 1.4 million. We did our sums, our formulas, worked it out just like we talked now, and the most we could afford to pay was 1.1. Right. So, what would you offer in that case? Um, I would probably offer if you, if the most you go to is one point one, I'll probably go around a million, maybe may, maybe just under a million. So then, you know, the psychology of rounding up to a million, maybe. Yeah. So we went in at eight ninety. <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> and um, they came back and said, <laughs> so, "Hold on, hold on." So it's on for 1.4. Yeah. And you've gone in with 890. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does Samuel say about offers? If you are not embarrassed by your offer, you're not offering low enough. Do you know, do you know the best times to negotiate on a deal? Right. Do you, know, do you ever have this where you have got loads of deals? Oh, I'm in this situation right now, right? I've got loads of deals going on. I don't actually want to buy anything else, right? Because I've got my head full. I've got different development projects. I've got this hotel. I know I'm what you're going to say. Here. I don't want anything else. So right? if something comes along, you're offering embarrassingly low. I don't even want it. Right? <laughs> it's like you're not going to offer so low with the 
hope that they say no. But if they say yes, you've got an absolute banger of a deal. Exactly that. Because <laughs> right, because one of the biggest mistakes when people negotiate is they're desperate, right? They, yeah. they really want it to happen. It's they might be their first deal or whatever, and they really want it to happen. And they, when you're in a situation where you've got the best way to get around that is have loads of deals. <laughs> when you've got loads of deals, literally, people come to me sometimes now and they're like, because I've got so much going on at the moment, and they're like, oh, are you interested in... Lo- oh, I'm thinking, no, I'm really not. Like, I- I'm really not interested. I've just got this vision of you at your desk, right? right. You're at your desk. <laughs> you've got your emails up and you're like, ah, oh, the agency's asking for one to put an offer. <sighs> I mean, it's on for 100. <laughs> 40 grand send. And then they reply and you go, oh, they've accepted 40 grand. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> right. You won't believe this, right? This is true. We, we do our management management team, our financial direction, everything. We have quarterly goals, right? And we so we'll meet up once a quarter. We set our goals, and then we meet up a quarter later, and we go through how we did and set our next goals. When we had our, our meeting this time, our financial director snuck on there, not buy any more property. <laughs> <laughs> That's all our goals. Oh my god! Our goals because the thing is, I can't resist, right? Yeah. Although I don't want it. If a development deal in particular comes along and I see it, because I, 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 it, gets, it gets addictive, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't resist putting an offer in, but I don't want it. So that's the first thing. Right. I have so many deals, you don't care. You've got to not care if you get it or not. I've always got the best deals in any situation where I don't care. Yeah. If you don't care, you're going to get the best deal, right? So, yeah, so we offered 890. So then they came back and they said, No. <laughs> We're not accepting 890 up your offer. Right. And I said, all right. So we offered 930, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then they came back again and said, we'll accept 1.1. Right. And I thought, ah, oh, that's the figure that we wanted. And they've come down 300 grand. And they've come down 300 grand. Well. But that, was the, that wasn't the figure I wanted. That was the absolute most right. we could pay, right? So I was like... Oh, no, don't hmm. tell me you went back. So I waited two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went very specific. Right. And I went back in. Uh, I, I think it was like 1 million and 28 grand. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to them... The 28 grand just sounds like peanuts. I said, I, I said, I've worked it out. That is the most I'm prepared right. to offer. And they accepted Jeez. So it gives you an idea of, of, sort of, I mean, the same principles would apply on a lower property. The good thing about big deals, though, this is the thing, right? When you've got a house that's up for sale for 200 grand, anyone that's in the market to buy a property could buy it for 200 grand. Yeah. When you're doing a development deal where it's up for 1.4 million and it needs 4 million spending on it and it's going to be worth 6.5. There's like, only a handful of people. It that... rules out most of the competition, yeah, right? It does. Yeah, so, so you can afford to be a bit more ballsy. Yeah. I would, if a property was up for 140 grand, I probably wouldn't go in and offer like 80. <laughs> probably. I don't probably. know. <laughs> probably. You probably would. You'd, no, you'd, you'd go lower. I'd probably go lower. You'd go lower. So that... You pay me to take your property. <laughs> so that, that's how you buy 10 houses with 50 grand you'd... from putting the money in. Recycling it, recycle, it out, do it again, do it again and again and again. Um, we do run 
property investors crash course um, where we do dive, Samuel dives into this strategy um, in, in great detail. So why not come and spend a day with us? You know, check it all out, see what it's all about. Come and meet Samuel, hear what he has to say about this strategy and why it's one of his and favorites. And you run that with him as well, don't you? I run it you with him Samuel. as well. I'm there. Um, in fact, we have, a whole, we have a whole team there, actually, for the whole day. But you um, and Samuel are the, are the lead trainers, right? Yeah. You're, you're running on stage. Yeah. We'll put a link below if you are interested in, uh, in seeing that. It's, it, is, it is a fantastic strategy. I'd highly recommend it. In fact, some of the ones it. that we've been talking about, we actually show on that day as well, so people oh, can cool. see it. Yeah. It's a really good day. Make sure you get booked on. Yeah, we'll leave a link below. It sounds expensive, though. I mean, it is, but, I mean, the... I don't even want to say the price of it because it's. Oh, I think, are these mics still on? Because it, I think it is too expensive. Go on, how much is it? How much is it for a whole day with you and Samuel teaching this strategy in detail, showing coasters, going through analogies, everything they need to know? How much? Okay, it is justifiable. Right. It's. It's one pound. One pound. One pound. Amazing. It's basically a free day. One pound. I mean, it's just crazy, actually. What, what I actually, I was thinking, do you know like when you say, oh, it's, it's the price of a cup of coffee? I'm trying to think nowadays, because inflation the way it is. What can you actually buy with a quid nowadays? A Fredder? No. I bet, I, I bet, do you know the... Do you I know don't the, think you can buy a pack of chewing gum for a pound. You bet, I bet you can. Do you know the Freddo bars? When I was a kid, how much are the Freddo bars? 15p. 15p. What yeah. are they now? That's how, we, that's how we work out inflation, right? It's Freddo bars. Freddo bars went up to like 20p. It's like, oh, then they went like 50p. I don't know what they are, I man. Don't know. Maybe you're like, do you know what? I haven't even got a pound. It's fine. Like, maybe you've got a pound that you put in the trolley to go shopping with. Use that pound. It's one pound. Yeah, makes sense. Right, well, guys, thanks very much for watching. Hope you enjoyed that. I'm Russell Leeds. I'm Ricky Mandel. See you next week.